Welcome back to Rome Boys. On this episode, we have Father Bryce Lundgren in the house. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Great to be here, guys. Uh, it's always fun to meet new men, meet new brothers, and and uh, chew the fat, so to speak, as we say up here. Yeah. Chew the fat. <laughs> chew the fat. So is the fat frozen? <laughs> Not quite yet. So we're just, you can feel winter coming along. Sure. Uh, just in fall. We've had a couple snow uh, flurries and some cold temperatures. So enough to just, you know, hey, get ready, you know. Right. And the whole state of Wyoming is one diocese. Am I correct? No, no, it's more than that. We're a tri-state diocese. Okay. We're uh, we're all of Wyoming. We're we're all of the state of Wyoming and all of Yellowstone National Park, which dips into Montana and Idaho about two miles across the border on each side. Okay. I just bring that up just to kind of, you know, just to kind of rub it in the guy's face a little bit that we, you know, we're helping (laughs) Montana out. (laughs) (laughs) they can't handle it themselves we gotta help them out on there (laughs) well father it's great having you on and uh we uh, we mentioned earlier or we talked about this before the show started about we got wind of you from father mitch Mm -hmm. Uh, he happens to be a friend of ours we've taken him hunting a couple of times and you've taken him on some some trips of of your own Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's cool man uh no father mitch he's always been a great kind of icon and in my life, I just kind of through EW 10 learning the faith and things like that. And, and he knows some friends up here. He has some friends up here in Gillette. I'm at St. Matthew's in Gillette, Wyoming. And so a few years ago, he came up and did a conference for us, just a little weekend mission kind of deal. And so we lined up an op- a trip that I took him, uh, with the horses and we went and moved some cows and stuff and just got to really spend some time together. And it was just a real great treat. So then a couple years ago or a couple years after then when this book came out, then it worked out. They invited me down to be on EWTN with him. And and that was just, it was a treat on, on many levels to be able to go to EWTN, but to be there with him. And it was kind of funny because uh, he, he always wears his cowboy hat around and I, and I do too. I do mainly cause I'm bald, but uh, <laughs> he does down there. So I show up and they kept, you know, looking at me like a copycat or whatever. And, yeah. But I come to, I come to realize that that hat really kind of symbolizes his approach. He's, he's so able to bring high theological thoughts and stuff down to the practical level. And uh, so I, I don't know what came first, the the hat or his practicality, uh, the chicken or the egg, but I think it does kind of symbolize his ability to kind of relate to us on a, just a practical level, but, you know, with some lofty ideas. So really, he's, he's a, going by. He's a true guy. teacher, isn't he? I mean, like he could just, yeah, break it down real well. Yeah. I think, I think you nailed it, the, the head, nail on the head with, uh, he's an icon. He is for sure an icon. Mm-hmm. 
And that cowboy hat, yeah, he was just a cowboy that happened to be born in Chicago. So <laughs> he just happened yeah. couldn't get down here fast enough. I don't yeah, think. What's yeah, that, uh, that old saying? I was born away from home. There you go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Father, you mentioned your book, "The Catholic Cowboy Way." Yep. Uh, so, tell us what was the inspiration behind this book? Yeah, you know, Bear Wozniak. Uh, we actually interviewed him like, uh, two weeks last, ago. Two weeks yeah. ago, we interviewed yeah, him, and yeah. he mentioned he was once coming you, to see you. Once you get on Bear's list, it's hard to get off. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. So, uh oh. He picked me up. Um, oh, a few years ago, I've had a different, a couple different things come out. Um, I do some butchering. I butcher some cattle, kind of deal out here. Just fell in my lap to just a little side hobby deal. And it got a little bit of attention somewhere along the way, and he, he caught wind of that. And so we did an interview together. And then since then, we've kept in touch and shared different ideas and stuff. And one day he called and said, hey, you ever thought of writing a book? And I said, I don't think I got enough gray in my mustache to write a book. <laughs> and he, uh, he goes, well, I'm putting you in touch with my publisher. So, I mean, it caused me to think, well, what would I write a book about? And I, I really honestly just kind of shot from the hip and I thought that the Catholic cowboy way, I mean, I, I've thought, I've thought about this stuff for years. I mean, just formulated these different ideas of, or, just, or and just lived it out, you know, but actually put kind of some terminology to it and stuff. And so the publisher, Sophia did reach out and, and I shared with them my ideas and they were open. And so I just went to work and it really wrote itself kind of. And I just, I super enjoyed the project um, to be able to really formulate those thoughts into words. And, and I enjoy writing. So yeah, it was about a nine month writing period. And then, oh shoot, by the time it was published, it was, I don't know, a year and a half, or I don't know, but it was just released this past February. Okay. And uh, it's, yeah, I've had positive, you know, feedback and, but he kind of answered the que his question, you know, his book, 12, 12 Rules of Manliness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Yeah. You've answered the question. Here's the Catholic cowboy way. So. Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> actually complement each other very well. Both books do. They really do. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I know it's, it's, you know, I don't, I think the cowboy has always kind of been admired, you know, throughout history. I always kind of, like I mentioned in the book there, I can... I can wear my Roman collar anywhere in the world and people would recognize it. I can wear my cowboy hat anywhere in the world and people would recognize it. You know, there you there's something yeah. just kind of, you know, universally admired. And so, um, I, so I don't know, you know, if it's just always going to be kind of hanging on, but it does seem like there's a bit of a cowboy movement resurgence hmm. in just our culture. And we didn't plan that bear and I, but it did kind of work out. So, that's good because we are in need of true manualness. So there you yeah. go. That's awesome. Praise yeah. God. Yeah. And you put the collar and the hat together, and now yeah, they're both unrecognizable. So you know, <laughs> you're putting out a statement now. Yeah, it's funny. I always tell people because it does put you on a level playing field right away. And it's just I don't. I'm not trying to make a face for myself or anything. It's just how I roll. But um, but I will say it. It does put you on instant level playing field with, with whoever you run into. And I, I always say I, I've caught more fish with my cowboy hat than I have with any sermon. 
Ah, sure. Okay. I mean, there's just the the doors that it opens up and stuff. You know, yeah. it's That's good. Awesome. You got your revolver on one hip and your rosary on the other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You mentioned in the intro of the book that you never wanted to be a priest and still don't, but obviously you feel called that God called you to that. So I found that was kind of random and crazy and fun. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, I've never written a a book, you know, I mean, I, I, I do kind of like to write. And uh, so he, the editor kind of, you know, once you write the introduction and, and I just, so I'm just going to write really freely knowing Mm -hmm. that, I've got a editor to back me up like, whoa, man. Yeah. You shouldn't quite say that. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then I asked you that question. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I've gotten some comments on that, but I mean, there is some truth in it. I guess there, I think there also is some, I don't know if hyperbole would be the, hmm. the right okay. word that you kind of throw out some, like, um, you know, some kind of striking words that are, you know, attention getters. Yeah. And, and I think that is part of it. Now, I will say, I I never wanted to be a priest. That part is true. Mm. <laughs> um, in the sense of, I never thought of it growing up. And I will say, even in my mid-20s, when I heard more of the Lord calling me to fo- follow him, just full-on follow him. And, you know, the obvious advice people will give you is the priesthood. Mm. Um, I wasn't intimidated by, you know, celibacy. I was of like preaching, going back to school, desk job stuff, like, mm. you know, shine your shoes kind of stuff. Um, I was intimidated by that. Mm. And, and so it, it's not, and I guess what I mean, so personally, yeah, I never want to be a priest. I don't, I also think there's, there's probably just something natural in us that don't want to not get married. that don't want to just, you know, live kind of the, the priestly norm that you might see, like, I don't know what a priest does. He just goes and celebrates mass and then goes and sits in a recliner in the rectory. I don't know. what mm-hmm. they do. That's kind of the image. Sure. So, mm-hmm. I mean, no one really aspires to that. You're, we aspire to greatness and you don't always see it there. So now since I've gotten to know priests, even on my journey, I mean, there is that, that more uh, nobility that you see with them. But I guess the point I'm trying to make there. Is that, and even when I say I, I still don't, is that there? It isn't maybe natural, but it's also not even something that I would incline to, given my own desires. Yeah. But when I trust the Father, and I trust that He know that He created me, and knows what's best for me, and has a, a mission and a purpose in my life, when I trust Him, yeah, I'll take this step, Lord. And wow, mm-hmm. it turns out. I'm more happy as a priest than I would ever be doing anything else. You know, so it, it's kind of the dichotomy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I guess the point there is the father knows best, you know. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That might be the title of your next book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone else has done that. Didn't Scott Hahn be? This yeah, is true. I think so. It's yeah. been a few years. You can do it again. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he owns the title. But. Okay, fair enough. but yeah the natural versus the supernatural right striving for that is what i hear you saying there yeah and i and i now i say well even even celibacy celibacy is not natural it's Mm -hmm. supernatural Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. celibacy is meant for intimacy with christ yeah 
if if it falls short of that, it falls short in general. Mm. Right? We 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 don't get married uh, to a physical spouse so that not so that we're just available. You know, I'm just sitting by the phone waiting for you to call. No, that's not why. We we sacrifice a physical spouse for the spiritual spouse who is Christ, mm. and it's that intimacy that we get, and it totally fulfills our hearts and. I would see. I would also say that I think the devil hates celibacy more than he hates yeah. just about anything. Sure, because there is a death. Mm. Like I mean, that's mm. that's why I feel like we wear the black is because to to really take a vow of celibacy is to die to mm. the natural self, mm. right, and to rise to the supernatural self in, mm. in a way. And so, when you've already died, you can't touch me, man. Mm. Like you can't. You I've already died. So, like, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck killing me again. <laughs> so our motto is be real, be bold, be Catholic. Love you talk it. about being vulnerable, be raw, and be real. Yeah, yeah, hilarious. Uh, well, you were in seminary a little bit there, Tony, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, I always say, it, you know, in seminary, the, the buzzword is vulnerability, man. Yes. Be open, bro. Come on. <laughs> And uh, and I get it, and I and I I'm all kind of for it, but to the average Joe, just uh, like, hey, bro, just open up and be vulnerable, man. Like I always use the example: if I said that to my buddy Zeke, I might get a wad of beech nut in my lap, you know. <laughs> it's like not 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 digging it, man. But if I'm just like, hey, partner, like be raw and real, you know, how do you feel? You know, what's on your heart? What's on your mind? And then we might just get somewhere, but, and so, and I do say most cowboys already kind of live by this. They're most cowboys are already kind of raw and real, you know, mm-hmm. we felt like it is, we, you know, kind of see things uh, for face value, things like that. Well, the idea there is to take that, that brutal honesty that we have with create, with the world, with each other, stuff like that, and use it in our relationship with God. So to, to take, uh, my ability to just kind of name things, you know, and just say it out, however colorful it is to take that kind of honesty and just, Lord, I feel like this, I think this, you know, and not in a rude way, but just in a real open way. Then yeah. it's key to a relationship with Christ. But I, I kind of feel like, you know, the, the raw and realness is a way of, of touching men where they're already at. Uh, versus trying to kind of have them get in touch with their feminine side or something. Yeah. Know? Right. <laughs> and you're going straight for the heart, which is what matters the most anyway. So, yeah, yeah it's just another way of getting there. And I mean, it does, it does take, you know, an, an honest vulnerability to, uh, to relate to Christ with, you know, with our joys, with our struggles, with the good and bad and ugly, you know, everything in between. You quote John Wayne, of course, that's awesome. Uh, Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. And you add, it is bravely bravery in the face of fear. I think, would you say that most men that are not living, uh, you know, being masculine, truly masculine and God willing, holy fear is what's causing them. Is that the greatest cause or what part does fear play in all that? Well, I think if you were to just name the number one tactic of the devil, you would be you fear, mm. you know, and oh man, you can say a lot about it. Not not to bash our current culture, but man, they like it continues. 
you continue to see fear trying to keep us down mm-hmm. and, and I hate fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see a little value of it. Like, um, the only, the only, you know, it's, it's a, it's an instinct, right. You know, if, uh, properly used, um, if, a, you know, if a grizzly is chasing me down, like, you know, you, you don't, you don't think you act, you know, okay. Either stop and fight or turn and run, you know, right. Um, outside of that, it doesn't have much purpose. And yeah. so anyway, I, I do spend a lot of time on, on how to deal with fear in, in the book there. And the deal, I guess to, to kind of put it in its context, I would just say fear is an emotion, right? And emotions aren't meant to do our thinking, right? They're properly ordered. They inform the intellect and then right reason makes a decision, right? But so often in our fallen human nature, like they get usurped and like fears got the reins. And so if I'm, if I'm following fear, I'm basically on a, you know, a runaway horse, like just hang on. I don't know where we're going. Mm. And it's so easy to follow, fall into that, especially in our our current culture. So how I, how the best way I've found to, to deal with fear and I name it in the book there is to balance it with the fullness of truth. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, he, the devil usually sells us partial lies, right. Or partial truths. And it's the little lie in it that that'll eat us up. So just like, okay, back up and then just like balance it with a full scenario. Like, is it, is, is this, you know, I'm I, the example I use there. Okay, I, I'm feeling scared. Okay, feeling fear. I'm I'm judging it. So like, okay, um, right reason says that the, if the, the logical conclusion of jumping on the off of this cliff is broken legs or death, like whoa, don't jump, bro. Yeah, like, don't jump. But if it's just a simple fear of the future because it's unknown, well, I think we can push against that. You know, mm-hmm. many examples of that. But I would say what bravery is, is not an absence of fear. It's, it's courage in the face of fear. It's mm. bravery in the face of fear is courage. And that's kind of where John Wayne's coming from there. It's, it's mm. courage being scared to death. Okay. I recognize the emotion. But right reason says, let's saddle up anyway. You know, that's bravery. Mm. So it's not an absence of fear. It's, it's bravery in the face of fear. Nice. Yeah, you, you watch these movies that they have out on these superheroes. Well, they know they're going to come out alive. That's not courage. That's not bravery. Bravery yeah. is going in when you know you might not come back out. Yes, sure. Yeah, there's 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 time of just sacrificing it all, you know. And um, yeah, we we could use a little bit more courage in our. Culture. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. So, what is the biggest leap in your spiritual life that you've experienced uh, so far? Yeah. Well. Um, you know, honestly, uh, I I graduated high school in 1998, and I I'm from Wyoming here, and I but mom thought it was good for me to get out of town. <laughs> she was she was right. <laughs> so, uh, she shipped me off to work for my uncle in Montana, so I left and I moved up there, and you know pulled my camper up there with the, my motorcycle in the back of my truck, you know, and get all situated. Well then. Uh, that first Sunday rolls around, and I remember waking up and I'm thinking to myself, "Well, gosh, I guess it's up to me whether I want to go to mass or not." You know, we always, we always went to mass. It's you know what you do growing up. And I remember laying there thinking about. It. I no longer got that thought out of my head. And my 
My uncle, who's my godfather, beats on my camper door. Let's go to mass. You know, like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go to mass. And and the deal with that is so crucial because I I didn't stumble in the spiritual life and so many people do. And thanks be to God for my uncle. I, I mean, I not that you can't recover from that, but I just didn't stumble and I just kept going. It was just a fairly sta- stable progression in my spiritual life. One thing with him was he was a, a Catholic man that I admired. He was, you know, manly, virtuous, uh, hardworking. And so when I, there was a, a man who I naturally admired, then practicing his faith, man, it really inspired me to kind of take it seriously. So that after high school stuff was huge in my life mm-hmm. and not a lot of, you know, fireworks, but just, just real great steady growth. Now the, you know, some of the more substantial steps were we drove tow trucks back then and I would be on the road quite a bit. And I, you know, kind of, I mean, one, some of those things were just like turning the radio off. Like I, all of a sudden I was just driving, not listening to anything but thinking. And I thought, well, I should use this time for, you know, something prayerful or productive eventually. And, and so I, I, I got a rosary and I started praying the rosary. And we had did that a bit growing up, but never on a substantial level. And so I, uh, I prayed the rosary, you know, routinely. And I know I have no doubt that those early years with our blessed mother really formed some of the next steps. Mm-hmm. And one, I found myself loving mass, having no idea what was going on, but loving going to church, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so, um, anyway, so, a couple of years into whatever one Lent come around and I, I, I thought, man, I, I do enjoy mass. And I remembered my grandparents going to daily mass for Lent. And so I thought that'd be cool. And I, I looked up the cathedral in Helena where I was at, had a seven o'clock mass. You know, I mean, I, I worked and couldn't, you know, do the 9am retired mass kind of thing. But uh, uh, so anyway, Anyway, so the Lord put it on my heart and doors open and I went to daily mass every day during Lent. And man, I just like, I got hooked, man. I I mean, for one, I just found such value in sacrificing for for something noble. I mean, work was very important to me. We we worked hard and long hours and to kind of like, no, I'm going to put this ahead of work. And even if it bumps into the eight o'clock hour or something, I, you know, I'm, I let everyone know, but, but to still sacrifice that and put God, make him the priority. Yeah. And so I, I just like, just nothing could get in my way in that first Lent. And, but man, the fruit that it produced in my heart was incredible. And, and so years after that, I would continue to do daily mass for Lent and, and then, over the years, just anytime the opportunity arose, duck in for mass. And, and, um, I don't know, somewhere in there is probably one of my, my bigger leaps. Definitely our blessed mother leading me to the Eucharist, yeah. uh, would be hard. I mean, that's, that's still, that's still my drive in life, you know? So you fell in love with daily mass and now you do it every day. <laughs> well, I, I became a priest so that I don't have to like scrounge up a daily mass somewhere anymore. There you go. 
Everybody's waiting on you. <laughs> you know, we got a day off and just do it at the house. You know, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, snowed awesome. in. Just let's have mm-hmm. math. Yeah, one of the perks, <laughs> man. That's awesome. That's great. You mentioned um, one of the fruits of Vatican II was the encouragement of full, active, and conscious participation. And we're not mere spectators. I think that is one of the blessings of Vatican II that is overlooked. And some people misquote, obviously, Vatican II, but that's a great fruit of it to get everyone involved and to be not so much just passive, but we are fully engaged in what's happening. And to understand the Mass, I think, is a big part for a lot of people. Once they understand what's going on, then they're more able to participate. Oh, sure. Huge. Yeah, it, it really necessitates a little bit of knowledge of why, mm-hmm. why I kneel, why I respond, why I stand. Um, but when you do, then, yeah, you, you get involved. And I, I know as a celebrant and have celebrated enough, Masses. I, I mean, I can, you can kind of feel the the interaction there a little bit. And if if you go too long without some sort of response or, or action on the other person, you, you you start to see people kind of lose it. And there really does there is a desire, I think, on their part to really interact and respond. And I and our, our mass is made for that. And you know, I always I always kind of call the uh, the people of God, priests in the pews, you know, mm. they're, they're basically offering the sacrifice of the mass through the ministerial priest. Mm. And, you know, that's not a passive event. I'm, you know, um, you know, may the sacrifice at your hands uh, be for the praise and glory of God for our good and the good of all his holy church. You know, mm. there's, it's, it's not, it's not just, um, you know, him doing his thing. They're involved mm. But I do say, um, you know, kind of in that vein and in that chapter, I mean, to really put flesh on that is to use our mind. Why do we do what we do? You know, and it takes that knowledge to be able to really engage what the gestures, not just not just the physical gestures, but the readings at mass and the and the layout of the church, the sanctuary, you know, and. And the more I know, the more I'm able to really interact with it and ultimately encounter God on a deeper level. That's what it was for me whenever I was getting deeper into my faith. It was that question, why? You know, why do we do this? Why do we do that? You know, why do we have a pope? Why do we have a priest? You know, why do we have to go to confession? Why, 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 why? You know, as a giant seven-year-old, you know, just why? And uh, I think that's learning how... Apologetics had a lot to do with it. You know, learning how to defend it was also answering the questions of why we have it and why we do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, very true. And I mean, it, it works with just in Christ in general and God in general. Like, you know, we don't we don't just believe in thin air. You know, I mean, faith isn't just an assent to something. No, it's a it's a it's a faith is an intellectual virtue that we we assent. Uh, to what we kind of know to, you know, not, not, you know, in the full sense, but the more we inform ourselves, the more we're able to believe in it. You know, sure. And the more we're able to, to believe, the more we're able to encounter. So they really do go hand in hand. And, and I, so whether it's the mass or just our knowledge of God in general, the more we know that maybe the more we're able to enter into that relationship with him. 
Yeah. And I think getting people out of the pews too, we just went on a pilgrimage and I just distinctly remember going to Lanciano and going up to the Eucharistic Miracle, encouraging everybody to like go up there and put your hand up there. Like, you know, this is Jesus. Like this is a Eucharistic Miracle for over a thousand years. Go up there you know, and just be more experienced, more physical, you know, and when we're teaching CCD or RCA, go up to the tabernacle, talk to our Lord, don't be so distant. And so I think yeah. if we engage more people and be more active in that sense uh, i think more people will respond yeah i mean and you know john paul ii big hitter for all of us i'm sure mm -hmm. but his notion of just the theology of the body in general not just mm -hmm. regarding sexuality but in general that that we it's through our body through our senses that we first um, encounter god and that we can we can actually um come to to experience him. It's not just an idea. Mm -hmm. It's, it's through our physicality mm -hmm. that we're, that we're really able to encounter him and it should be that way. And, and I think that the constant human tendency is to divide, at least intellectually, our souls and our bodies, mm -hmm. you know, that they're, they're not united. I'm just a soul trapped in a body when, you know, Christ is incarnational, you know, and, and so he unites the spiritual and the physical. And, and so the more, the more integrated we are physically and spiritually, the more human we are hmm. and the more human we are, the more we, you know, can encounter the father on a natural level and stuff. And so, yeah, it's huge. And talk about just countercultural. I mean, the culture just wants to separate that. Yeah. You know, I want to separate my soul from my body so way I can just do or whatever. Or care less about the soul to begin with. But. Right. Or it doesn't <laughs> yeah. exist. Yeah, or right. We right. Are, are, all we are is just here and that's it. Yeah. You know, it's a sad way to live. Very much so. And I mean, what what is death? Death is a separation of body and soul. It's when mm -hmm. they're no longer united. That's just a body and it's now decaying, you know. Right. Um, so death entered the world. Uh, the separation of body and soul began. So... Yeah, I mean, the enemy and his tactics through the world are, are constantly going to be trying to to continue to drive a wedge in that when when God come to really integrate and unite. Yeah. It just seems like he's on the uh, on the warpath right now, and he's oh, just yeah. he seems to be being very successful. It seems like so. Wouldn't you agree that the church needs more cowboys? Amen, brother. Catholic yeah. cowboys, right? Catholic cowboys, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Catholic cowboys. He does. Um, oh, it's fun. Uh, yeah, that I did write a chapter called "The Church Needs More Cowboys," and there's a there's a country song from a guy up the road here, Chancey Williams. He sings it. Uh, the the name of the song is "The World Needs More Cowboys." It's we have one four year university here in Wyoming, University of Wyoming, the Cowboys. But their motto sure. is the world needs the cowboys. And I would agree on a on that the world does, but I think the church does. You know, the church mm -hmm. really needs um, more men and women who are bold like you guys. You know, your your motto there is uh, be bold. I don't remember all, all the parts, but I mean, it really embodies the same kind of virtues that we're after. It's, you know, to kind of bring that courage and that confidence and that, uh, you know, that don't give up kind of tough into the faith. You know, that's that's who the martyrs are. It's not it's not a new dimension of our faith. But I, I do think it's been lost uh, 
for various reasons. Um, you know, I mean, you hear different things with all due respect, right? You, sometimes you hear that the church has become feminized or something. And I was telling my buddy that, and he goes, I don't think it's been feminized. It's been castrated. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, there's truth in that, that, you know, I mean, if, if there's, there's men out there, but if they really be men and use those virtues that it takes to excel in life, in their the workplace or in sports, whatever they're passionate about. Hey, bro, take those virtues, the, all that passion, just shift it to fighting for the kingdom of God, you know, for fighting for mass. And I mean, that's God is important in people's lives, but he's not necessarily like the center of my existence. That's what he wants to be. And if he is, then everything else is ordered to him. And we're able to incorporate all those virtues, whether it's ranch life or whatever else is, you know, pat or fires us up uh, to use those kind of virtues and skills to, to, to serve the Lord. Yeah. The church could use some more cowboys. Amen. Yeah. I'm into that. So you coined three steps to finding freedom through forgiveness. Do you have to buy the book or can you explain? Because <laughs> like, I found, I found that, I was, that was the gold nugget right there. Like what you said there, like that's, that's, it was some very insightful thoughts. The the best yeah. part of the book I thought. No, nice. Thanks for picking up on that. Cause uh, I mean, forgiveness is, is super key in the spiritual life. And, but it goes deeper than just, I'm sorry, you know, to find really freedom through forgiveness, I think is what we're after. And we've probably all experienced that to different levels, but the key would be to like zero in and really exercise it. So I'm a big guy or in the spiritual life. I, I, I think the spiritual life is a science. Like, I, I don't think that we need to just like, well, I hope that works out for you, you know, kind of stuff. No, here's how you do it. And so I, I like to try to, define and, and whether it's my own terminology, but the more I can put definitions and steps, logical ideas to the faith, the more you can, you can kind of stay in the middle of it and not just hope it goes good every day. So what I've found in the, in the spiritual life over the years is, yeah, as a three-step procedure of finding freedom through forgiveness. You know, our Lord, I mean, he, he doesn't give us much of an option. You know, he, he, he tells us to forgive all the way throughout scripture. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven to say the least. Okay. So the, the first step in finding freedom through forgiveness is to spit the words out. I forgive you. <laughs> forgiveness is an act of the will, man. If you're waiting around until you feel like forgiveness, you might be waiting in a while, waiting a while, right? So mm -hmm. it is, it really is an act of the will. And that's not necessarily easy, but the sooner we spit the words out, the better off. The, the more we let that linger, the deeper those roots of resentment will grow. You know, as St. Paul says, um, um, if you're angry, let it be without sin. Do not let the devil go down on your, the sun go down on your wrath. I mean, if we, if we just, if we let it go, the roots go deeper. If I spit the words out, if, even if I don't want to, it's super fresh wound. If I, 
spit the words out. I cut it off. You know, I keep it from growing deeper. Okay. First step, say the words. It's an act of the will. Okay. Our Lord, he also like his, his level of forgiveness that he calls us to is, I mean, a high standard that, that bar is set very high, you know, and <laughs> right. He, he can do it. He's God. It, and, you know, but for us to automatically reach, where's my hand at? That, that, <laughs> whatever. The cross, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the cross forgiveness that he calls us to, I don't think we can do on our own. Like we really right. need to ask our Lord to help. And you can, so the second step is really to ask for help. Lord, help me to forgive as you have forgiven, you know, as you've forgiven me, but also as you forgive in general. And I don't, that step is not to be undermined either. And we can say it in general, Lord, help me. But I, I feel, I feel like there's no better way than in the confessional. You know, the confessional is a healing sacrament. It's, 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 it's there not just to heal our wounds, but the wounds that are caused by others. So I just encourage people to bring your sins and your struggles to the confessional. So if I come in just raw and real, Lord, you know, just being open, this is what happened to me. You know, I'm not even trying to like necessarily ask for forgiveness for myself. I'm just revealing the wound and I'm like, Lord, help me to forgive you know, help me to forgive as you've forgiven her. You know, just expose the wound. Jesus is a physician. He wants to help us. So whether it's in the confessional or not, the second step is to ask for help. Lord, help me to forgive as you've forgiven. And the third step, which is the clincher, is to pray for the person. All right, Jesus says, uh, he says to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And the beauty of this, and you do got to work your way up to it probably, but the beauty of when I willfully choose to pray for somebody who's injured me, um, it just, the, the cause of resentment just retract, you know, and I, it just diffuses the situation. And it's not like, I don't, it's not like, Lord, I, you know, I pray for this person that we can get along. No, I'm just, Lord, bless them. You know what they need. I don't know what they need. I just want them to be healthy, happy, and holy. Lord, please bless them. Mm. If I do that, I mean, like, oh, you know, I mean, now we're on, we're not even on like the level playing field. I'm like up on the cross with our Lord. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Like I'm looking mm. at him as a brother and sister and I, I'm, I'm sold on it. And it's not, I mean, I've experienced in so many ways throughout the years. And I, I continue to really exercise that personally. And it doesn't happen right away, you know, it, but it, the way we think affects the way we feel and it does take root. It does bear fruit in our emotional life and in our, the freeing of our minds. But I'm sure there's many ways of speaking of this and maybe even more dimensions. But uh, I, I, if a person can willfully spit the words out, I forgive first step, Lord, please help me. And then when, when you're at the level of praying for the person, I mean, like sincerely, you know, way before I get caught up in the emotion, Lord, at the beginning of the day, Lord, just bless them. I just want to be healthy, happy, and holy. I'm a free man, you know, diffuse mm -hmm. the situation. 
And who knows, that prayer could cause them to be saved or get on the right path. So, because that's a heartfelt prayer, you just went through the whole grinding of that process for yourself and being renewed. I mean, I'm sure that's worth more points <laughs> as far as yeah. prayers go. So, <laughs> Well, but there is objectivity to it too. It's not, I'm just, I mean, really in a lot of ways, I am trying to free myself, you know, when mm -hmm. I through forgiveness. But in the, in the meantime, it's a real blessing. Lord, please bless yeah. them, you know? Yeah. And, but it does kind of put us on that brother and sister level mm -hmm. versus this guy, you know, just hurt me or something, you know, I don't know. But it, it does kind of put us back into right perspective that, you know, I've, I've messed up. I've hurt people, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I can sympathize and have compassion in a different way. Uh, but ultimately it does, it does kind of free our hearts and, um, it's good for us. Forgiveness is, is good for us. Yeah. I've heard it said, you know, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, and it's true. I mean, because if you think about it, whenever and talk about freedom, you know, when you're angry at somebody or somebody's angry with you, it's all you can think about. You just think about how that other person hurt you. And it just boils and just... Or you don't think about it and it always keeps coming back up. <laughs> right, right. And so you're never free from it mm -hmm. until your three-step program, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Definitely read a book on that. It's awesome stuff. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, another analogy I think that works is, um, or a saying, is that um, uh, forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and discovering that that prisoner was you. Wow, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's spanning, boy, it's easy to get caught up in, or the resentment, it's life, man. I mean, our Lord was real when he said, how many times must I forgive? 70 times 70, you know, I mean, like, don't worry about it, bro, you're gonna have plenty of opportunity. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yes. And sometimes the, the person we have the hardest time forgiving is ourselves. Okay, I address it too. Um, yes. It is. And I, I don't, I don't have a magic trick for that one, but I will say it takes, <laughs> it takes some, some, some discipline that you can do it. And it, I was just kind of in the spiritual warfare realm. All right. So like if we go to, if we go to confession, we have the certainty that we are forgiven, right? We, 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 that's the beauty of the sacraments. I have encountered the mercy of God. I am forgiven. That's the truth. All right, so the devil, he's the accuser, right? So his his right. whole game is just accusing you right and left, right? And so, I mean, just the spiritual life, just take a step back. Don't be just drinking in every thought that comes my way. Who's, where does this thought originate? And I will say that any thought that begins with you, you're not. Mm. You should remember when you, that is not the voice of God. That's the accuser, mm. man. God does not address us as you. I mean, he just doesn't. Mm. Like maybe in a theophany, you do this, but not in normal spiritual. <laughs> That's the enemy of human nature barking in our ear and we buy it right and left. Okay. Mm. First step, name it. Watch the use, man. That's the accuser. Okay. We're mm. good at accusing ourselves as well. All right. That voice begins with I. I'm not. I should have. I didn't. I would have, right? We beat on ourselves all the time. God does not address right. us as I, right? God calls us by name. It comes from within. That's the voice to listen to. 
Like you want to find, you want to, you want to forgive yourself, tune out on those other voices, watch the use, watch the eyes. Now listen to God's voice. He said, I love you, man. Man, <laughs> we're positive, yeah. man. You're hitting us. <laughs> That's good stuff, man. Thank you. Man, yeah, no, no, this this is, is, it's, um, you know, it is part of the cowboy way. I mean, just to, just to like name it and, and, and to stand up to that stuff and it takes discipline and it takes, uh, the authority given to us by Christ, but you know, we're not just out to kind of go with the flow. Like, mm, you know, this is this is Ignatian spirituality. Test yeah, the origin yeah. of the spirits. You know, mm-hmm. Man, this is great stuff. It's hard to recognize. You know, I mean, it, it takes, like you said, discipline. Uh, mm-hmm. I would also throw in there fasting because if you have that element too, that just uh, silences the devil's voice. A little bit more just to give you a little bit more of God's strength and realizing, yeah, I am weak and I truly need a savior to be able to sustain me or to heal the wound or to get, maybe help me to forgive. So, um, yeah, all good stuff, Father Bryce. Well, it's, just, well, it's all practical. This is, uh, it, it stems from God's grace. Like we're not, mm-hmm. we're not um, Stoics or, you know, or uh, whatever the heresies are that, you know, it's mm-hmm. just um, – you know, God's grace is a nice compliment to my own discipline. It's not that it's full on grace, but it takes my cooperation with God's grace. Right. And so I have to do my part and doing my part does take discipline and and fasting is a, is a way of tempering myself of, of um, not, not just being a whim to my appetites and stuff. So I'm more sharp and I'm more in, in, you know, cooperation with our Lord's grace and, so, so it's it's not just a human project by any means, but we definitely have to do our part. Hmm. This is great stuff, Father. So where can our viewers find more about you? Uh, where can they pick up the book? Yeah, well, Sophia Institute Press published the book, so they're a great source. I'm sure Catholic Bookstore hopefully has it, you know, all the other places. it's. I think it's been going good. I, I don't know. I've never done anything like this. I know I go through quite a few and it's opened up some neat doors for me. So, um, we'll take it wherever it goes. You know, I'm, I'm very happy to, to use the platform, if you will, that the Lord's given me to, uh, really propagate his kingdom and, you know, preach the gospel, however that comes. So definitely look at those, those venues for the book. I do write a blog, where I just put, I post my homilies, but I also just kind of write stories of Catholic cowboy life. And uh, that's wyomingcatholiccowboys.com. So you can find, find stuff there. And I will, I will say that I was, when I was kind of learning more about you guys, I, I noticed, um, well, like you, I think Tony, you call yourself the theologian. And are you the farmer, Joe? No, I'm yeah. the farmer. Yes, You're sir. the farmer. And is the other, yep. the other guy's the entrepreneur? Is that right? Yeah. These are, uh, you know, these are different perspectives at coming at stuff, right? And I think mm-hmm. what we're bringing to the table is the cowboy perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's welcome. I think people appreciate that down to earth approach to our faith. And it isn't, it isn't the only way it doesn't exhaust it, but I'm happy to bring it. And we need more of it. So, yes. you know, that's, that's this world is lacking common sense. And I think that's where cowboys kind of uh, yes. excel. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, we all uh, got our gifts, but it, it does. It is helpful. We need that stuff. 
You bet. Well, Father, do you mind leaving us with a blessing? Be honored to, man. Let's do it. Cool. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, I just ask that you continue to bless our brothers here, but everyone who listens to them, Lord, that our hearts may be ignited with the fire of your love, that you may draw us ever more closer to the sacred heart of Jesus Christ, your Son. So I just ask, Lord, that you pour out your blessings upon everyone. And I want to God bless you all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace. Amen. Mm-hmm. Glorifying Lord by your God. life. <laughs> yes. Thank you for your priesthood, Father Bryce. And yeah, your words of wisdom. And yeah, you do have a bald head, I noticed. So <laughs> earned it, man. I'm proud. Bald and proud. Nice. <laughs> well, thanks again, Father. In the meantime, be bold. Be real. Be Catholic. God, God bless. bless.